0: Ephesians 6, will trials come? Yes, we, we've talked about it. We've talked about it through the years. Uh, testimony this morning of the goodness of God in the midst of trials. And for the born-again believer, we, we know from the Word of God, the writings of Paul, of Peter, the words of Christ Himself, in this world you will have trouble, Christ said. If we know that to be a fact, shouldn't we equip ourselves for when those times come that we won't be caught off guard? Don't think it's strange, this fiery trial. oh my goodness, I'm under a fiery trial. I'm in the midst of persecution. I'm in why would we be surprised at such a thing? The word of God tells us over and over about those things all oh, that we would be equipped and prepared, not caught off guard. Oh yeah, uh, certain trials may knock us back. Course it may, may may catch us off guard for that moment because of the severity or the suddenness of the trial. But all oh, may we, by the grace of God, come to grips with the moment and realize that God is God, and He is in control, and that He will help us through those times, and to to continue to look to His Word that we may draw strength. When trials do come. And and this is uh, the armor of God. I, w- I want to read verses 10 through 18 just to get the overall picture of it. We'll probably do just a short little review of, of the pieces of armor. We'll, we'll see what the Lord has in store for us today. Uh, Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 18 from the New King James Version. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And what a passage for Paul to to be coming to the end of this letter and to put out there for us. Aren't you thankful? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. I pray that All Your children today will take heed. Will take heed to Your Word. Lord, to listen, to trust, to obey. So Holy Spirit, I I pray, move. Speak to each heart. Should there be one who is lost, I pray that even through a sermon such as this, that, that Your Holy Spirit would remind them of truths that they have heard that they would see You, holy, righteous, high and lifted up, that they would see their sin that as You shine light into a dark place, and Lord, that You would have mercy and grant faith to believe that they might repent and receive Christ. So Lord, speak, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So it said, every child of God, every child of God, is in a spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood. It's spiritual. And so, in a lot of ways, it's a battle for the mind and our thinking. Yes, there will be outward things, but doesn't it come down to how we're going to think about those things when they come? Are we going to look to the Lord and look to His Word and, and, and see through eyes of faith or we're going to see through eyes of fear and doubt. Sometimes the battle wages fiercely. And other times perhaps there is a lull in the battlefield and I think there's the difference between the valley and the, the mountaintop. But aren't you thankful that He gives us times of refreshing to catch our breath? And then, yeah, that's mercy. That's mercy. But, but then at some point, it's time to get back in the classroom. It's time to learn once again. And down in the valley, He will take us. Uh, We know that as children of God, when we're talking about uh, spiritual warfare, the, the wiles, the schemes of the devil, he's going to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And we are called, Paul calls us, to put on the whole armor of God that we may able, be able to stand against the schemes, the wiles of the devil. And we also know that for the child of God, that we stand from a, a viewpoint of victory. Because Christ has already won the war, if I, if you, if I could say it that way, as Paul was talking about uh, battle and, and wrestling and, and the soldier's armor uh, it is a war, but Christ has won the war for the children of God at the cross of Calvary, and so we we can stand from that viewpoint because Christ has already triumphed over the enemy, and even though the war was won, our victorious position was secured, held. Well, oh, that that First Peter I love those from those those verses in, in First Peter that that we're secure. That our redemption, our being delivered from the power of darkness and being conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His love. All of that is true and real and, and is there that we can hold on to. But in this life, battles will happen. Wrestling matches. That's what Paul was talking about. And just a brief overall of the armor. I think I might have done this a couple of weeks ago. But to put on the belt of truth is to be prepared, to be watchful, to be in a state of readiness, to have our loins girded for battle. That in, in soldier talk back in that day, they would be ready at a moment's notice with that belt that they could take that big robe and stuff it down in there so they could run and they could go and, and get to the battle or get get going wherever they needed to do. You either stand, you fight, you run. They would be ready. They would be ready. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, which deals with a holy living in light of the righteousness that has been imputed to us as children of God, how are we living? Are we desiring to live a righteous and holy life? Having shod your feet with the shoes of peace is to know that we are not only at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, but, but we can also have the peace of God rule in our heart and our life daily while we're here. To put on the shield of faith. We preached a sermon probably about a month ago talking about faith. And the shield of faith is not only to know the gift of saving faith, but but also to have the continual daily faith to trust that he who has promised is faithful, <laughs> that Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith and to have total trust and confidence in him in our daily walk. You know, we're not saved by By grace through faith just for when we die. But we're saved by grace through faith so we can live even while we're here. Because when does eternal life start? It doesn't start after we die. It started the moment of our salvation. To take the helmet of salvation is to live with that living hope that Peter talked about. To have an assurance of our salvation and in the inheritance that is reserved in heaven and being kept by the power of God. And the sword of the Spirit is to have the Word of God that we can call upon (laughs) which will cause the devil to flee. I guess it was two weeks ago we we talked about this. We talked about the Greek word "rema," that is found in Ephesians 6.17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word, the rema. Of God, uh, uh, we, we talked about that, that, that Rima refers to a particular statement from the Word of God. If it was Logos, it would refer to the entirety of the Word of God. And, and I came across this that would maybe clarify it even better. One writer said this about Rima and Logos, and, and this keeps it in that soldier's armor that, that Paul is, is here. And just listen, here's a quote. The difference between the logos and the rima is the difference between a stockpile of weapons, which would be logos, and an individual sword Rima. One is the invaluable arsenal. The other is a specific well-timed deployment of an individual weapon to be used so that we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ logos all of it beginning to end what is paul asking us to do to have a rema a particular word and we talked about that uh, quite a bit uh, like i said a couple weeks ago to be ready with an answer of thus saith the lord no devil no myself thinking The voice of truth tells me a different story than what the lies of the world or the lies of Satan or or my own self-concocted lies are telling me. Let the voice of truth speak. And we talked about to follow the example of Christ because that's what Christ did during the temptation. He had a particular word from God at every temptation of Christ. And so may we have a particular word, the sword, that comes from the stockpile, and I pray I can stand up here and say it. Doesn't mean a single one of us is going to do it, but I pray we will. I pray I will. Would you do it? Would Would, would you Would you take the stockpile of the logos, the Word of God, and prepare yourself for the? You know your battles, and I got a pretty good feeling you know. Because of a repetition of sin or weakness that you may have, you already know at some point what you're going to probably face, and doesn't it just make sense to take from the stockpile versus to combat that with the sword, the rema of the word of God? That's all I must say about that. Let's get into verse 18 today. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now here, here Paul is talking about prayer, and it's not necessarily talking about prayer as a weapon. Uh, he, he's he's not saying that in addition to the armor, add prayer. Prayer is woven into and through the armor. We are to put on the armor and be engaged in prayer at each moment in every piece of the armor. We we sing from time to time, uh, the old hymn, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Verse 3, I believe, is the one. Could you put that up for me? Verse 3, from stand up, stand up. I don't know, can we sing it? Stand up, stand up. For Jesus, stand in His strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with. Prayer where duty calls or danger be never wanting there. That's great lyric right there, isn't it? The arm of flesh will fail us every time, every time, every time when we look to our own strength and not His strength, when we're looking to our thoughts that are bouncing around in our head, instead of going to the Logos, the Word of God, and picking out a particular verse that we can attack. And we don't have to attack with it, we just stand on it. We stand on the Word. Put on the gospel armor, each piece, put on with prayer. and I believe that's what Paul is saying there when he says, uh, which is the word of God, praying always, 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 with all prayer and supplication. So prayer, what is prayer to you? Just in your own thoughts as you're just sitting there, what's your definition? What is prayer? should be conversation with God. Some people have, and I pray no child of God would have this, but a lot of people think that that prayer is just that Aladdin's lamp that, that we just rub and get what we ask for. But it's conversation with God. And I believe first and foremost in that conversation is that we would acknowledge God for who He is. In Jesus' pattern for prayer, let's turn to Matthew six, verses nine through thirteen. And as we read this, I want you to consider the first three aspects of the Lord's Prayer all have to do with God. This is this is an example. This is a pattern. Matthew six, nine through thirteen. In this manner, therefore, pray. First and foremost, acknowledging God, our Father, saying, Your name is hallowed, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. All three bringing us before God the Father, affirming His sovereignty, His righteousness, and His majesty. You see, I believe when we can, Sometimes at a moment's notice in the heat of a battle, we've got to get right to the heart of things. But when we can, when we have the time, we we'll acknowledge God for who He is in the midst of our prayers. R.A. Torrey, let me read a quote. He said this, We should never utter one syllable of prayer, either in public or in private, until we are definitely conscience conscious that we have come into the presence of God and are actually praying to Him. Because if we don't, it's just words, isn't it? You know, to come into His presence, because that's, that's what prayer is. communing, coming before His presence to, to seek Him, to pray, to converse, to find help in time of need. I believe that Jesus is intentionally teaching that we must first begin our prayers in recognition of the absolute glory of God and to know that this is one true God, this one true God is our Father. As we take the Word of God, as we go to it as our sword, and as our source of strength and for our help and to find the particular sword, the, the rema that we need to help when trials and tribulations come... Uh, that we would never waver in unbelief in any promise of God. And in talking of prayer, a short little quote from John Piper, as he's talking about prayer and what it's like, and this goes well in considering the armor of God and Paul's thoughts of the soldier, Piper said this, prayer is like a walkie-talkie connecting the general's headquarters with the front-line artillery in the field hospital. And again, this, this is just taking and putting it into the same soldier realm that Paul was talking about. Prayer is not a bell to call the servants to satisfy some desire we happen to feel. Prayer is a battlefield transmitter for staying in touch with the general. So that goes back to what I said earlier. What is prayer? Well, just ring your little bell. Okay, servants, come bring me what I just asked for. No, no. Prayer is more likened to a field walkie-talkie for, for those that are in the midst of the battle to contact the general, which is the Lord, you see, in this, in this scenario. Paul says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. Then he calls us to take up arms, which we just read. Then he says, Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. That is clearly combat talk. Keep alert. Persevere. End quote. For the children of God that's in the midst of a wrestling match and a battle, I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. Because we need a constant link of communication with our Lord. Verse eighteen begins in that Ephesians six, praying always, praying always, because <laughs> because it's not a matter of if we should pray. It's or should we pray? It's pray. It's pray. And pray always. Psalms fifty-five, seventeen. Let me just read it. Evening and morning, and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice. Also, that that short little three-word passage is found in First Thessalonians five, seventeen. Now, there, there's one that you can commit to memory. Pray without ceasing. And, and And I don't think that the apostle is suggesting that we spend all our time all day long on our knees with our face on the floor before God, but, but rather, I believe he is suggesting that we should always be in the spirit of prayer to to an attitude of prayer that we would continually have a heart that is receptive to the spirit and his guidance to walk in the spirit to live according to the spirit to to have our Attention to the Spirit of God as He's directing us daily throughout our lives so that at any moments, notice, we are constantly in contact, even as we're working, even as we're at leisure, whatever it may be. A continual prayer is an attitude of the heart, an attitude of constant devotion, of having our minds fixed on things above and not the things of the world. And I take that from Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And again, let me read a quote. This is John Wesley. And he wrote this of the person who experiences this kind of attitude of prayer. He says this, quote, His heart is ever lifted up to God. At all times and in all places, in this he is never hindered, much less interrupted by any person or thing. In leisure, business, or conversation, his heart is ever with the Lord. Whether he lay down or rise up, God is in all his thoughts. He walks with God continually, having the loving eye of his mind fixed on him and everywhere seeing him that's a good quote keeping our spiritual eyes fixed on him set our mind on things above and 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 perhaps you're sitting there going but preacher it's hard (laughs) it's a fight it's a wrestling match yes it's a battle and it may become intense but we know jesus said this in in luke 18 verse 1 Jesus was trying to encourage His disciples when He said to them in Luke 18.1, Then He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Pray and not lose heart. You know, if, you, if you take it in the, in the King James, I didn't put the King James there, but it's, it's, it's either prayer or faint. Uh, the King James Version says that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Not to grow weary. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. You've heard sermons on this. You've read books on this. You've All prayers. All kinds of prayers. All types of prayers and supplication. Well, you mean there's different kinds of prayers? <laughs> well, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Dif- different kinds of prayer because we, we have different circumstances in our life. You see that there are times when we need to pray a prayer of confession because we have sinned. There's times when we need to pray prayers of thanksgiving because we're grateful. There are times when we need to pray prayers of adoration and praise because we want to worship God for who He is. There are times when we need to pray prayers of intercession because someone else needs our prayers. They need to be lifted up before the Lord. Sometimes we need to pray prayers of petition, supplication, because we see a need. Or perhaps we ourselves have a need in our lives and we're just coming before the Lord. Types of prayer. For perhaps there's the little acrostic, and uh, I thought I had a slide that had this on it, but I couldn't find it. That's it, Acts, A-C-T-S. Perhaps some of you have heard this. Uh, and to remember the different types of prayer, Acts, a CTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And we need to consider the roles of all these types of prayers because so often we get stuck, (laughs) or perhaps I do too, get stuck in petition mode, always asking, always asking, always asking. No adoration, perhaps lacking in confession, and we remember all aspects, all prayers, all kinds of prayer. Uh, Paul wrote of many great things about prayer and, and a verse that, that came to my mind in the midst of this, Philippians 4, and, as list, uh, verse 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. You know this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. See, there's those words again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and here's what will happen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, don't worry. God's got it. In His timing and in His way, He's going to bring you through. In some form or fashion. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We are to pray in the Spirit. Well, well here, here. Who resides within the child of God? It's the Spirit. Spirit of God. Those who are yet lost and undone. Is there any Spirit of God in there? No. So when someone lost says that they're praying for you. or are praying. What's that mean? Well, they're not praying in the Spirit. They can't pray in the Spirit. They don't have the Spirit. Only the child of God can pray in the Spirit. And and there's more to that, that that we should pray according to the will of God. That, That we would pray that God's will be done. Let's go to Romans 8. Let's go to verses 26 and 27. And I'm thankful for these verses because... Yeah, a little over a month ago I was so sick I couldn't keep my mind focused enough to pray to do nothing. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit prays for me. Romans eight, twenty-six and twenty-seven. Likewise the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings too deep for words. Now he who searches the heart, that's the Lord. Now he, him who searches the heart, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And thats we should pray the will of God. Continually pray the will of God. Led by the Spirit. To to walk according to the Spirit. Praying always with all prayer, the supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. Perseverance, that word is to be devoted to, constantly, steadfastly, attentive to, and and to give to unremittingly. To continue all the time to persevere and not faint. Colossians 4.2 Continue earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving earnestly in prayer i got a bunch of verses because we have illustrations in the word of god and we're going to take it from the book of luke of perseverance and you, and you you most of you well some of you know what i'm getting ready to read let's go to luke 18 verses 1 through 8 perhaps it's been a while since you've read these passages and we're going to have another rather lengthy passage in a few moments Luke, let's go into verse or chapter 18. And again, we're talking about persistence, being steadfast in prayer and seeking help. Uh, first eight verses, Luke 18. Then he, then Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And, and again, that's going back to what we've what, what we said, what we've read. The, not lose heart, saying. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. So this is an unjust judge, isn't it? Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, Here's the one that kept coming, an unjust judge, uh, uh, coming and begging and begging and begging. And finally, the unjust judge says, because of our persistence and her coming, I want her to leave me alone. And so he, he's going to take care of the problem. And I believe what, what the Lord is saying is if an unjust judge will give something to a persistent lady, what do you think a just God will give to his own children if he persists? Persistent. Persistent in prayer. Let's back up into Luke 11th chapter. Luke 11th chapter. This is, the, this is the, the account of the guy that's coming in the middle of the night banging on the door. Uh, Luke 11, verses 5 through 13. <clears throat> and he again and Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. You got the picture, right? It's middle of the night. It's midnight. Everybody's in bed. Everybody's asleep. There's somebody knocking on the door. Verse 8, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, keep knocking, because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread... From any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask. Be persistent. And there, there's a verse... John fourteen fourteen, 14, and probably one of the most wrongly interpreted and abused verses in the Bible, one of them. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And people will take that to mean there's that Aladdin's lamp. All I've got to do is, is ask for it in Jesus' name, and he's going to give it to me. All I've got to do is just add that little phrase on there my car is not very good and everybody else has got a better one Lord I need a new car in Jesus name and there are people all across this globe who are doing that type of very thing but the verse really to go to 1 John 5 verses 14 and 15 now this is the confidence that we have in Him in the Lord in God now listen that if we ask anything, now look up there and say this with me, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So when we pray, what do we pray? We pray, Father, Your will be done. Your will be done. And if we know that He hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked for of Him. If we pray a prayer according to the will of God, it will be accomplished. Guaranteed. Because it's God's will, it's God's plan, it's God's purpose. And So I believe that there are those times when the Holy Spirit may overwhelm us to such a degree that, that we get a glimpse of perhaps God's purpose that is coming in perhaps someone's life or in regard to some situation of life so that we might pray that particular prayer that will come to pass. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we've asked for him. He truly hears when we're praying in the Spirit, when we're praying according to His will. And and then just another part of of that uh, verse 18 in Ephesians 6, the very last part. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Paul kind of, Ends that little note of saying, "Pray for the saints. Pray for one another." I want to go into the Old Testament into First Samuel, just just to pull out uh, three verses here and talking about praying for one another, praying for the saints. First Samuel chapter twelve, verses twenty-two through twenty-four. I put twenty-five up there. I'm not sure what twenty-five says, but we'll see. First Samuel twelve twenty-two through 24, 25. For the Lord will not forsake His people. Now let me pause there. Is that true? Yes. That's, that's true. That's still true. For His great name's sake. Because it has pleased the Lord to make you His people. Now let me pause. Now we know this is Old Testament. But can I take those same thoughts for the children of God today. He will not forsake the believers for His great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you His people, His children. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Now think about that. Is it a sin if we don't pray for one another? Yes. We have been called to pray. To love one another. To consider one another. To encourage one another. To pray for one another. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. And then the, that verse 25, but if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. And we know this was in regard to a particular setting. And and uh, uh, forgive me if I've pulled it out of there to make a point, but I believe that the truth of it would stand for us today. For us to pray for one another. And we need to continually lift each other up in prayer. And I'm going to say this. I believe that we should pray, and, and I've, in, in my number of years that I've walked on this earth, I've come to understand this, and it's taken a while for the Lord to get that through my thick skull. But I believe that we should pray specific prayers for specific people Concerning specific needs. And and I know, I know, Lord, be with all the prayer requests. Yeah, we can do that. Or we could say, Lord, be with Mary Wiltmerger. She's going through a tough time. And specifically pray, you see. John MacArthur, let me read what he said. John MacArthur. God answers prayer in order to put his power on display. That's that's pretty good, isn't it? That's not all of it. I'm just pausing there because I'm thinking about it. God answers prayer in order to put his power on display. And when we do not pray specifically, he cannot answer specifically and thereby clearly display His power and His love for His children. That's kind of deep to think about. To pray, God bless the world, is really not to pray at all. We must think about particular people, particular problems, particular needs, and then pray about those things specifically and earnestly so that we can see God's answer and offer Him our thankful praise. I think that's, end quote, I think that's good to consider. That we would pattern, begin to pattern our prayer life into specifics. Have Have a prayer journal, have where you can write things down, where you can come back, and if you forget, do you forget? Of course we forget. That's why I encourage you to have a, a tablet or have something and and a pencil or a pen and you can write things down so so that you won't forget, so that you'd be able to remember all of the requests for prayer and to bring them before the Lord specifically so that we might see God answer specifically and give Him thanks. Let me ask, do you believe God answers prayer? I think... It's almost like there are times when we're surprised when he does. Oh, we we pray and we pray and we pray. Oh, what 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 that, that happened? He and just thinking about that, I want to go in the Book of Acts, chapter twelve. And this is a rather lengthy thing to read. I understand that, but here's the story of people praying. And then being surprised when God answers their prayer. Are we that way? Am I that way? Acts 17, we're going to read, or Acts 12, I'm sorry, Acts 12, we're going to read 17 verses 1 through 17. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Now, let me pause there for a minute. So Herod, Herod's on the warpath; he's harassing some of the church. So people are, especially the Christian people, they're a little on edge. So I can understand some of this. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. See again, he's on the warpath, and because he saw that it pleased the Jews, oh, people liked that when I did that. That guy had been going around talking about Christ. Jews didn't much care for that. And so, uh, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. So now he's got Peter in prison. Now it was during the days of Evan. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him. Four squads of soldiers. Keep that in mind intending to bring him before the people after Passover. So he's going to wait a little after Passover, and what's he going to do? He's going to do the same thing to Peter as he just did to James. And the Jews will go, yay. Peter was therefore kept in prison. Now listen, now listen. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So here's a, a group of people praying specifically for Peter. And, and I believe, again, we don't we don't know, and this is just me, this is this is me. I, I believe, wouldn't it just make sense? They're praying, Lord, save his life. Lord, don't don't let what happened to, 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 to James happen to Peter, Lord, save his life, spare his life. Lord, Lord help him that he could get delivered from prison. But wouldn't that be a logical thing that they would be praying? verse 6 and when herod was about to bring him out it's time it's time the next morning peter's coming out and when herod was about to <clears throat> excuse me to bring him out that night peter was sleeping <clears throat> bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison now behold an angel of the lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Now, see, now I'm getting that the lyrics to the song. My chains fell off. Verse 8 Then the angel of the Lord said to him, said to Peter, Gird yourself, use that belt. Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. We're getting out of here. That's what he's saying. Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. And so he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Peter's in a fog, it seems like. And that's what's going on here. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the... Now think about this. These guards aren't all asleep. They're passing by unseen. This is this a miracle of God? Oh, yes, it is. They're passing by unseen. These guards are there. They're keeping watch. I don't know what they were seeing or not seeing or how. It's a miracle of God. When they they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. They come to the iron gate. There it's open of its own accord. And we know it's the power of God, don't we? And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord was, the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, here he's there and he's come to himself, well, let, let, let's go to the house. Let's go to the house where I know the people were meeting. Let, let's go. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So they're there praying yet. See, this wasn't a one-time prayer. They're continually praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, so he was familiar to this group, very familiar to this group, knowing, being able to recognize someone's voice, you're, you're familiar with them, aren't you? when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, <laughs> she, she did not open the gate. It's Peter! i got to go tell everybody! And she didn't let him in. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Now, everybody cheers! Yay! The Lord has answered. No, that's not what happened. You know what happened. Verse 15. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yes, yeah, she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. Can You get the picture and he's still outside. He's knocking because he, remember Herod's on the war path. He doesn't know. You know, he came to his mind. When is these soldiers going to come to their mind? When are they going to start looking for where, where Peter went? And perhaps he's looking around beside him, waiting to hear soldiers coming. And so yeah, he's knocking. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, and again, I believe this part is, well, let's get inside. Don't, don't cause a big stir. Don't cause a big ruckus that people can hear And because Herod's on the warpath. Let's get inside. I, th- I think that's probably, I believe that's what that would be an indication of. But motion for them with his hand, keep quiet. He declared to him how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Here's a group of people praying and were astonished and amazed when the prayer was answered. I want us to pray with confidence that God answers prayer. To pray expecting. To pray believing. To pray without doubting. Because I, I know this, and, and and bring it all back to what we said earlier, that while well, we pray in the Spirit, that we pray according to the will of God, that we pray His hand to move. But I do know this, that God delights in the prayers of His children. Amen? He does. He delights in the prayers of His children. Proverbs 15.8 The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His Delight. God delights in the prayers of his children. We get that scene, you know, I've read from Revelation 5 quite a lot, but I'm just going to take that verse 8 where John is describing this scene, Revelation 5 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of Incense, which is what? Which are the prayers of the saints. (laughs) Consider that the God of the universe delights in our prayers. And to Him they are a sweet aroma. They are as a golden bowl of incense. When we bow before the Father in earnest prayer, He delights. Now, doesn't that make you want to pray? That the Father would delight in our prayers? I, I, hope, it, I hope it does. So let's pray. And I know after the sermon, you're going to be really critiquing my prayer about right now, aren't you? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. For you are great and greatly be, to be praised. There is none above you. There is none beside you. There is none like you. For you are God alone. Lord of all. Creator of all things. And before you we bow. And just pray for help. Teach us to pray as we should. Teach me, Lord. Help me to learn. Help me to be in Your Word and, and listening with spiritual ears. Help me to see the example of, of m- m- so many of the, uh, the Apostle Paul's great prayers. And, and even Paul, when he, when he said, be, imitate me. And so in so many aspects, and particularly in Paul's prayers, Lord, help me to have a prayer life such as Paul. Father, I just ask that You would help us all Help us all to learn what it is to be constant and consistent in prayer. That throughout our daily routines of life those things that are of necessity that we must take care of that even in those things that everything that we would say and do would be to your honor and to your glory and that you would interrupt from time to time that we might see you in your glory and give you thanks and praise. And Lord, just Overwhelm me and overwhelm us from time to time with thoughts of others that we should be praying about and perhaps specifically at a specific moment and that moment when you place them on our mind that we could take at least a small moment to pray and to lift them up specifically. And perhaps we we know a specific need that we need to lift up for them. So Lord... Help us to pray in such a way that that you could answer and receive glory as you would accomplish your will upon the earth. Father, I pray that you just reveal yourself to everyone that's under the hearing of this message today. Open their eyes to see truth. And help us to look to you and to trust you as we should. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.